0: Hello and welcome to Rebel FM, episode four hundred. Wait, three hundred. Nope. Yeah, and ninety six. Yes, we're getting very close to four hundred.
1: Assuming we don't miss a week, we should hit it by the end of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not holding I, my breath. I think we'll probably it'll probably be like January. That works for me. You know when we'll probably hit number four hundred? Do you want to take a guess? uh like what the momentous occasion will be the start of the show 9 years it'll be 10 years won't it
0: oh wait yeah 10 years fuck 10 years
1: ten years ten years. <sighs> 10 years who are you
0: i'm anthony gaiagos <laughs> 10 years older than i was when we began <laughs> with arthur
1: geese hi oh fucking yeah. hell um mm-hmm. yeah yeah 10 years fuck um
0: there's a lot of 10 years going on it's it's uh also the 10-year anniversary of what the xbox 360
1: no, <laughs> no it's. No isn't business. it no it's the uh when this goes live uh it'll be the 13th birthday the wow. Xbox 360 For some reason I thought it was 10. No, cuz it came out in 2005. <sighs> Time. Now now you feel even older than you did when you realize that it was almost the 10th anniversary of the show. Wow. Uh
0: 13, huh? Yeah. 13 when I was still working at Tower. Had you started working at Tower when that happened? Probably not. I don't think so. I think I was
1: a, uh, I think I was looking for work. Was that like? Did you start in two thousand fifteen or two thousand five at Tower, or was it two thousand six? I think it was two thousand six. Um, thirteen is also, I think, the number of Xbox three sixties that I owned. <sighs> I I owned uh, four. So, if I had yeah. hazard to hazard a guess, um. um. But we don't I mean we don't have to talk about that right away. Like we could talk about other stuff or we can just go right into it. It's up to you. Uh we can go right into it. Let's go right into it. Um did you did we get any emails about it? Uh let me see. Uh I can just uh so our experience overlaps kind of in my experience is sort of responsible for pushing you into having yours
0: yeah, you correctly. I the I had not been a launch console buyer ever. Oh, man, until I fucked you up real good. Until the Wii. And so. And I had. I had never fallen off video games. Like, video games were always a constant in college, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I hadn't, like. I don't know, gone super deep with. Like, it was always something I played with all my friends. But I wasn't typically, like, reading a bunch of news websites or. All that shit. So. Uh. So, yeah, it was. It was uh it wasn't until we started working together that all of a sudden I was like I knew the X- I somehow I know that I was like tangentially aware that the Xbox 360 was a thing that human beings were out there playing. Um but I had not been convinced to buy it yet because I was like hey, I still got my we like my roommate's Xbox and I have a PlayStation 2 and for now I just hadn't seen anything yet that I was like me working at a gas station wanted to spend, you know, right. basically more than the equivalent of my rent for like
1: two months, probably. Yeah, it was um, like f- the launch prices were three hundred without the hard drive and four hundred with plus tax, and then if you wanted a game, like yeah, it's, it's not an inconsequential amount of money.
0: Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was something that I was ready to get back into game stuff but i i just didn't have i hadn't found a community yet to push me that way so and then we met and everything and then you met got worse actually it was kind of like the way when i originally met my friend paul and he filled my head with stories about everquest before i bought everquest and i had this magic idea of what everquest was versus what it was which was still good but not the way i imagined it, him describing it to me and and it was similar to you describing all the things about the 360 games that you were playing. And I was like,
1: it sounds like a magic box. Was I, so I think I was playing oblivion at that point you
0: were. And yeah, and I got to see it and stuff and I was like, okay. And to be fair, oblivion did look significantly better than like any other games yeah. I had seen at the time. It was really so, something else. So yeah, it was that and ghost recon advance warfighter seeing those. I was like, holy shit. These games are fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. Um. How did, did you, you like? I mean, yeah. Do you want me to tell you about like how I sort of got into it? Yeah. So like, I was like super Sega kid growing up, and then like the the Saturn and the Dreamcast happened. Um, and I liked the Saturn, but I loved the Dreamcast. Like, I owned like thirty games for that system. Like, I got that system the day it came out. Um, that was like when I was working for the first time after finishing high school and like had disposable income, not like a ton of money, but I had disposable income cause I had basically no like obligations uh, to speak of. And so like, um, so I bought that, I was super into it and then like Sony's sort of tactics just killed it basically. Sony's tactics and Sega's complete incompetence. Sega Japan's complete incompetence. I can say that now. Back then, I don't think that I, like, fully acknowledged how incompetent Sega Japan was, but I've since come come to to regard that as, like, the ultimate failing of Sega was Sega Japan. Um, which is funny, because Sega was originally founded as an American Company? Um... I, I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh... So like that, I felt super burned when like the Dreamcast was just killed. <laughs> yeah, you and you and a lot of other people. Like it was, it happened so fast. It was like late 2000, I think, when it happened. Yeah. Um, I just felt like so massively fucking burned, and so like that got me out of games for like a year, and then um, like I I had a PS2 and played some stuff. Like I played the shit out of Gran Turismo but i wasn't it wasn't like a, a thing where i thought about games all the time and then um and then i when the xbox came out like i didn't get one or anything cuz it just wasn't really on my radar and then i went over to my friend joe's place and um i just got a thanksgiving invite the night before thanksgiving i just ordered yeah 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 um, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, plans. yeah. My, plans. my plans my plans are falling apart Uh, I just ordered like $60 worth of food to show up tonight for me to eat tomorrow because I went to Brooklyn last week to have an early Thanksgiving with my partner. (laughs) And now I'm invited to a Thanksgiving dinner. There you go. That I kind of stack it up to stack up all the food. I'm invited to kind of because of the Xbox 360. Um, So that just, that just like made Anthony's face perk up a little bit. So anyway, so like, I went over my friend's Joe's house, I played Halo, I was totally fucking blown away, IGN period com, uh, by Halo, and just, like, decided that I had to get a fucking Xbox, and by Christmas, uh, I managed to put together enough money, because at that point, I was still working the same job, but did not have disposable income, because I was paying rent that I could Mm -hmm. barely afford, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I got an Xbox, and just, like, became super into it, and a year later i went to college and took it with me and that was like a whole new sort of environment for for playing those games because we did LAN parties and shit for halo like with two xboxes yep. and two TVs like in one house or one apartment and then in college it's just like you just plug it into the fucking wall and you're connected to every other xbox on your dorm floor yeah that was crazy and so i just got super into it and the Xbox did not have, like, a good time against the PS2, but it was it held its own, more or less, like, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some
0: very memorable Xbox experiences as well.
1: And so, like, I, it sort of ebbed and flowed for a while, but around the time that Halo 2 came out, like, Halo 2 sort of, like, picked my interest back up. And also 2004 was just, like, a fucking banger year for Xbox games. Like, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory came out that year. Uh, Doom came out on Xbox that year. Fucking Halo Two came out on Xbox that year. Ninja Gaiden Black came out on Xbox that year. Um, Stubbs the zombie was next. Was the year after. Um, but it was like a lot of really cool games. Actually, Doom and Splinter Cell Chaos Theory were the were two thousand five. Sorry. Uh, so anyway, like that sort of ramped me back up, and then there were all these rumors about the Xbox three hundred and sixty, and it was just like super super interesting to me and. That was right at the moment where games coverage had started to change and become like this daily blog onslaught of stuff. Like That's when Kotaku and Joystick became things, and right. everybody else had to change the way that they covered stuff to compete. And one of those groups that did that was 1UP. Um, because I had liked EGM, but I would never become like really attached to anybody doing stuff with it. And then 1UP became a thing, and they had a lot of news on stuff. And so... I got interested in that, and, um, like, they started doing video previews of Xbox 360 stuff and everything else, too, like Wii coverage from from Space World and shit, and that got me interested in their videos and, like, got me sort of invested in one ups videos about that stuff, and that tied into my interest in the Xbox 360, and... They announced pre-order stuff for it, and I put in a pre-order like a week after they they opened up pre-orders like a lot of people did. And then um, I think I traded in like a shitload of games, and it just wasn't like remotely close to enough. But it didn't matter because like a few months later, that was when they realized that their supply was going to be way less, and my pre-order got bumped. So I wasn't going to have one for launch. Um, and... That sucked. And then like a month later, my sister entered this contest that was going on. I think it was like Pepsi or Taco Bell was doing it where, or maybe it was, might have been Mountain Dew, honestly, um, where you registered online and you were given an opportunity to go to this thing and nobody knew what it was, but there were all these fucking ARGs going on for the Xbox 360. Um, like I have a white, no was, recollection of that. There was like a White Rabbit one, I think where people were trying to figure out what it meant and eventually people figured out that the white rabbit thing was a launch event for the mm. Xbox 360 that was going to happen called zero hour and so this contest got like like enrolled you for a chance to win passes to this thing like that they were putting on um and my sister entered and fucking got passes and so um I was living in Davis at the time, just like you were living in Davis at the time. This is 2005. Um, and so I went down to San Diego uh, before Thanksgiving, actually. Um, and we drove up from San Diego to the fucking Mojave Desert, <laughs> which is where this thing was happening. The zero-hour thing was happening. Um, And it was honestly, like, the coolest fucking thing, like, video game thing that I think I've ever been to, even now, after, like, all the video game things that I've been to in the last ten years. That's pretty impressive, considering, yeah. um, It was just, like, there were stations everywhere, it was fucking every launch game on that system was available to play, including stuff that wasn't out yet, uh, or wasn't going to be out for launch, like, games that wouldn't be out for months afterwards, like there were these like miniature beanbag chairs shaped like marshmallows fucking everywhere. Like there was tons of stuff. People from different companies were wandering around, giving away copies for, of games. Um, like G four and X play were there. Does your cat wandering around your garage?
0: Oh no. The the sound you might've heard was, uh, the sound of her auto feeder going off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah. So like, uh, xplay was there so Cessler and Morgan Webb were doing a show there like all the one up people were there like everyone from every outlet was there and also they had a shitload of celebrities like this was like a 48 hour thing that started it, it like one evening and went through the next day and ended at midnight when they would be selling consoles and that right. became the only place in the world where if you didn't have a pre-order in before a certain time you could get a launch Xbox 360 yeah just walk up and buy one yeah, and, and, like, so they have all this stuff, they have all these games, like, at one point we go back out to my sister's car to sleep, uh, and freeze our asses off because the Mojave Desert and at the end of November is really cold. What did they expect people to do for a 48-hour thing? You could sleep inside, like, you didn't, like, you could get a, get a hotel or something, or a motel. Oh, uh, okay, there. okay. Like, that was up to you, like... At a certain point, they were giving away so much shit or, like, making so much shit available that I don't think it's their problem. Ah, sure, sure, sure. Where I was just So anyway, some, like... uh They did a Gears of War presentation there. Like, Cliff Lezinski did, like, a Gears of War presentation, like, a year before that game came out. That's um, fucking
0: cool. So it's like an E3 demo that you would never get otherwise, yeah. especially back then.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was, like, a big live on stage thing. And so it was just a chance to, like see all this shit and do all this shit and be around surrounded by people that were just so fucking excited for this thing. Um, in a way that I don't know that I've ever experienced afterwards. Um, because in a way, like the way that the internet has developed, like a lot of that hype sort of like leeches off in different directions. And I th- and I think like there's a lot more potential for pre preemptive disappointment to happen. And I just think that at that point that just hadn't happened. Um, and so, so I get in line for an Xbox 360 and like fucking Elijah wood is like a few spots ahead of me in line. Like, cause this is what happened. Like these are, it was such like a massive event for that game yeah. for that system. Like it was such like an MTV era thing that they made it into and they really made that event feel like that. Um, like an MTV era thing. And it just, um, it was really cool. And so I bought my Xbox and I bought call of duty pretty sure call of duty
0: two i think yeah was it wait okay
1: yeah call of duty Two was great i didn't buy anything actually i signed up for gamefly and got call of duty 2 and i think condemned both excellent man i came out a really strong launch thing yeah fuck that was good um so yeah so i so we went we got back to san diego um very late and I caught a train from San Diego back to Davis, with like carrying like a a sea bag full of clothes for my trip, and also a fucking Xbox 360 in a box, <laughs> like a full retail box Xbox 360. Like on the train to LA, transferring a bus to Bakersfield, a train from Bakersfield to fucking Davis. Um, it was. It was an adventure it was like but it was by far like the most memorable console experience I've ever had um and that includes wandering around San Diego uh searching for a dreamcast memory unit <laughs> uh the day that came out but um I've definitely done that so. But yeah, I was just so swept up in like 360 stuff and like following it as it happened. And like after it came out, like playing it and like watching, waiting for stuff to come out and being like, oh my God, Oblivion is coming and all this shit. And like one up was a big part of that. And the way and we've ta- I think we, we must've talked about one up stuff over the course of this podcast, oh, yeah. like a million times, but, um, the way that one up covered stuff just made me want to do it. Like it made me interested. It made me feel like you could do it and be interesting and like have something to say, and say it in a way that was intelligent and not sort of like, and no offense because GamePro's audience was different, but like, I just like thought that GamePro was the way that you did it. And like to see this done a different way was just like really, really cool. And that was also when EGM was doing like a ton of like really sort of edgy, cool fucking magazines like SGN and stuff like that. And it just like, it was like a moment that got me interested. And the one up people got me interested. And I think that was like one of the things I shared with you hmm like for sure
0: yeah and so then having a website where i was actually keeping up with games on the horizon and stuff made me more interested in because you know most of the time i didn't know about games until they were generally out or yeah. the very rare time that it's funny like at the time i just didn't get my video game stuff from websites that was the bottom line i i still got my video game stuff largely from impulse buys of magazines in a and game way.
1: informer and shit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or yes, I had a Game Informer subscription purely because of the Edge program or whatever it was back Uh, in the day.
1: So earlier I tweeted about that we were going to talk about 360 stuff. I just got a tweet from my sister saying, I'm not going to write a letter, but remember me applying to get you tickets to the 360 launch event and sleeping in my car and taking home the marshmallow bean bags and getting lost in the freaking Palmdale desert. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Dan, I remember uh, it. We're talking about it right now. my, My
0: 360 story was much... You convinced me... I made the impulsive decision to spend more than a month's rent on probably like two months rent by the time I got a game and stuff. Um, and then I decided I was going to do it and then the challenge became finding one cause this would have been probably like, uh, like June of 2006. So it was, it was still really hard to find at that point. And I ended up having to travel like 50 miles to to find a place that had one and so we hopped in a car and drove there as fast as we could to make sure we got there in time to get the one that they still had. Right. So then I brought it home, put in Ghost Recon, put the 360 on the carpet and it overheated. <laughs> Cuz I just had no concept that consoles couldn't sit on a carpet. Yeah, it was the start you... of a different era. Yeah. Cuz up until then I felt like you I w- what we had was like a PlayStation 2 that had basically no cooling in it like I just didn't have I just wasn't used to systems with active cooling
1: that I thought yeah. about
0: like I know that there was an active cooler in the GameCube but I feel like I could have wrapped that thing in a blanket and it would have been fine I just <laughs> didn't think about stuff like that
1: just left it in an oven
0: yeah I just never thought about cooling and overheating or anything like that and it was June and Davis with no air conditioner running and sitting on a carpet of course the thing fucking gave me like a red ring but it wasn't the bad one I forget. It was just the let this shit cool down one. It was give me a break. <laughs> yes. So. Um
1: But yeah, yeah was,
0: I go ahead. No, I was just gonna say those games still blew me away all of them. I was I was in I was definitely in with that and obviously I played the hell out of all of those initial games at the time.
1: And it was just like there's like at least one big game a month I feel like to follow on that system and get into a launch like obviously that picked up more later but every month it was just like something Mm -hmm. I feel like like the fight night demo I guess counted as a game kind of but like after the sort of launch window
0: yeah I mean even fight I mean the 360 I'll say was a game system that was just so visually it was such a like I feel like so I'm not saying there isn't a visually between Xbox one and 360 there is but if it, it wasn't to me as big of a leap between the ps2 and the xbox 360 and so and i know that it probably is if we like look at all the math and stuff that's going on but i think it was just like the visual fidelity like there was just certain things that on 360 seemed impossible to me for video games and then when i saw them on the 360 i was like holy fuck yeah. so uh you know, so yes, the 360 was the game, the system that got me into checking out things like Fight Night and stuff and genres of games that I gave no shits about solely because I was like, look how good it looks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just hadn't really done that before. Um, um, yeah, but it was like,
1: oh, Oblivion, oh, Ghost Recon, oh, Hitman Blood Money, oh, like, Prey, like, Dead Rising, like, it was just like a string of games, like, at exactly the moment that they there needed to be, and it was just mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it was it was just like a really amazing moment, um, Let's and it see. kept it it kept it going. We did get some letters about this. Um, former coworker of ours, Dave Clayman, sent me a link uh, in response to my tweet titled "IGN does not have Xbox 360." Um. <laughs> <laughs> what does he mean? So there was. Um, one of the things that happened in the lead up to the uh 360 launch is there were pictures that leaked around July of a kid who supposedly had it early and he took pictures of himself with it and put them on a forum and those just like spread out everywhere and it was it was a dev kit like so it had fucking wires poking out of the top of it and like it was like wired controllers and shit um but it was real and uh so Dave did a parody story of himself, like in the same poses, like taking basically <laughs> the same way without an Xbox, but with no Xbox. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Um, yeah, those guys were like the originators of dumb shit on that website. Yeah, they they did quite well with the dumb shit. Uh, man, this guy Matt wrote into us, and he says he got a three sixty in Christmas two thousand five from his aunt, who paid eleven hundred dollars off someone for it so they were sold everywhere
1: <laughs> funny story um i uh i was watching some of the old one up show stuff today just because i was feeling nostalgic about the 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 360 launch and i watched the zero hour episode where they were talking to people at the event and one of the people they talked to was a guy in line who said like they asked him if he was going to buy it and he said yeah and he said so what happened is what's funny is what happened is i actually won one early and we put it on sale on ebay And because it was like a week or two early, we got $1,100 for it. (laughs) Wow. So I wonder if he got an Xbox 360 from the guy that was on the one up show zero hour episode that said that he sold an Xbox 360 on eBay for $1,100. Well,
0: I remember watching uh, the uh, one up show about the PS3 and them interviewing all the people outside the Sony store and SF and all oh, those man. people, half those people that were there to sell it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they was, yeah. and I just feel like now that I don't hear about that ever happening anymore. Cause I feel like that's just not as much of a thing now. Like I know that consoles can be that way, like still sold out and stuff, but like, I don't feel like I've heard about that since the PlayStation three, Xbox 360, the consoles you were successfully able to be like, I'm going to go grab four and reap and resell them.
1: So the Wii was like that for sure. Like you mm. could sell a Wii around launch, like or at Christmas that year, like for a lot of money. But like the PS3, it just absolutely was not the case. Like it was never that way. Yeah, um,
0: and that's what—that's part of the thing I remember in that Sony video was that all those people were like I'm buying six, and it was like, oof, that probably oh, did not no. pan out for them.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, if they didn't open the boxes, then they could return them, at least. But I but, mean, yeah. I got
0: my Wii U off someone at IGN who bought six launch consoles and thought they'd flip them and then they couldn't
1: what a bad move bad move yeah. I don't know who did that I'm sure they were a nice person bad move Um they
0: were a nice person I paid I paid them the full sticker price for it which was well, nice yeah, for me because it was delivered right to the
1: office um, I think the Xbox one and PS4 actually kind of had a holiday like that because both of them sold out like both those consoles were sold out for Christmas of 2013 um, but yeah, I, yeah, most people have had their hardware shit together since then. Maybe the switch is like an exception, although that's like easy to find now, but, um, are there any, other, uh, any other emails about,
0: uh, let's see. Ben wrote in and said, uh, I thought about one of the funniest moments I've ever had with the 360." He says in shadow run, he says, I love that game at the time. And it was a viral achievement in it. And the viral achievement was to teabag the corpse of someone who actually had the achievement. It was called Shadowrun Fever. And so It's like uh, a
1: video game S T D.
0: Yes, yeah, so people would play multiplayer games in Shadowrun and impulsively go over and victory crouch on other people hoping to get it, basically. <laughs> uh so I, I I think his sort of thing there that draws us though that was no one? I no one. None of us ever thought about playing games a certain way, unless it was because of a collectible or something like a game collectible. But mm-hmm. there wasn't any sense of like, Chuff Money has this many points, and that somehow establishes to you how much of a game I've played, or, you know.
1: Yeah, achievements for such like, or how I played a thing. game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't even know when I cared about them. At some point, I did. I mean, I will say. I Call of Duty 2 was is, is the only game I ever got a thousand points for.
1: <laughs> There's so. a few for me, but yeah. Um but yeah, I basically I would attribute the Xbox 360 for me having a career writing about video games. Like that was it. Like that's what made me wanted to start that website
0: with you. I mean, I'll say this. The the only Xbox the only console. So I got into the business. When the consoles that everyone played were 316 and PS3. And when I got out of it, Arthur, people were playing the 316
1: PS3. <laughs> yeah. There was a really long console generation. It really was. I know. And this one will apparently be almost as long. Wow. Because 2020 seems like the year. Yeah. That's um, fine with me for now. Hopefully, it's not in the midst of a global recession, but. Jeez. Yikes. Too real, Yeah. Well, <laughs> we live in a real world, Anthony.
0: Uh, Cody, Cody ran in with a good one. He says, I won my first Xbox 360 in the win every hour Pepsi contest. It arrived a week before launch and came with Cameo and Madden 06. My TV only had a coax, so I ran it through my VCR, which had a composite in and coax out. Uh, I lasted an hour with the setup before pricing out HDTVs buying a $1,000, $1,000 32-inch tube TV online because I wasn't going to carry a 130-pound TV on the bus. A $1,000 32-inch HD TV with a tube.
1: I think, Whew. yeah. Jesus
0: Christ. I bet it looked really nice, though. But he says, Best Buy instead sent me a 40-inch LCD that retailed for 3000 and I didn't tell them about the shipping error.
1: <laughs> uh, so, victimless uh, crime.
0: But yeah, wow, wow, wow. He says everyone I knew wanted me to sell the Xbox on eBay because the price was like eleven hundred during launch. I kept it, and of course, it red ringed a year later. I upgraded to the Elite. <laughs> Man, I forgot about the uh, how. Exp- I mean, it's just crazy because I was actually reading uh, your four uh, K TV thing on Polygon that went up this week. Yeah, and and just seeing like how you can get like a fifty five inch four K TV for like you know like 600 bucks and it's just man TV prices make no sense to me, but I don't understand. And I can't even, I don't even, I think I paid $700 for like my 21 inch 720p TV when I was in college. And I felt like I had just bought a car is how my gut felt when I bought that.
1: Yeah. I remember um, getting an, getting an HDTV around the same time that I got oblivion and it was a 27-inch ViewSonic display. Like, it wasn't a TV. It was like, there was no TV functionality. It was a display. Yeah. Um, and I used a VGA cable for it.
0: I had that HDTV that I bought with you in Davis uh, until I moved away from Seattle. So Jesus. I it, Now, mind you, when I moved up to Seattle... Yeah. I never plugged it in and when i moved away from seattle it had never been plugged
1: in <laughs> you had my other tv i think right like i uh, left you like a 40 inch tv or like a 32 inch tv correct that's in me and my wife's bedroom right now the toshiba yep 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 that is still in our that is our bedroom tv if i remember correctly it had like wicked input latency though <laughs> i
0: i we don't ever play games on it pretty much i mean my wife plays uh a game that's a lot like, what's the bubble bubbles? Shoot bubbles at things and they pop. The, pop Or, yeah, I don't know, where you're just matching bubbles so they pop. I forget. It's a match color thing. She plays a game like that, but we pretty much otherwise don't play games on it. I've played some games, but I'm also not always too sensitive to that as much, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it gets, TV prices keep getting cheaper. It's increasingly, uh, increasingly tempting tempting um let's see creighton wrote in he says i didn't get a 360 at launch and it wasn't for trying i was in college in new york city and new york has always sold out of things it was mid-january before i even came across one while i was in the virgin megastore rest in peace on 14th street it was the core edition no hard drive no memory unit and a wired controller i said no because i wanted the hard drive and wireless controllers but i was with a friend and he bought it I remember being shocked because I didn't even know he wanted one. He also bought Need for Speed and Ghost Recon. But we realized we couldn't save our progress. We asked about hard drives or memory units, but they didn't have any. And we spent the next few hours in the cold walking to every Circuit City, Best Buy, and GameStop we could find. No smartphone with Google Maps. Looking for some way to save our game. Uh, We kept striking out. Somewhere in the 30s, after zigzagging across Manhattan and after heading south into West Village, we found a 64 megabyte memory unit used in a
1: GameStop. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus, that's that's more or less my experience trying to find a VMU for Dreamcast. Yeah, uh, except I had to like I was just like calling places all over San Diego. That core unit was the
0: reason that it took us so long to get great Xbox Live games. <laughs> was because wasn't it like Xbox Live things could add like a restriction? They were they had size? a limit. They had
1: to fit on a memory unit. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. I just. Now yeah, it's, I, f- it, I think Symphony of the Night might have been the first Xbox Live Arcade game that didn't have to fit on a memory unit, if I remember correctly. Man. But, I mean, it was also, like, a way for them to to sell a cheaper console. True. Like,
0: yeah, I guess, I guess they have been running multiple versions of their console for quite a while. Wow. I didn't even think about that. That's just been, like, an ongoing sort of platform choice for xbox because i don't really know if there it's not like there was a cheap and expensive nintendo or super nintendo
1: that i remember anyways no Maybe there was but no i think that there was like a second revision of the super nintendo once it was had been out a long time but
0: it, yeah i remember seeing some of those and i always thought who gets one of those at the time
1: there had there had never been like two versions of a console that launched that way um it was yeah. it was very controversial, and, like, people complained about it, but it, it really helped, like, Microsoft sell consoles. So, I don't know. Do we have any other stories about Xboxes? Uh, I think that's probably good. I had a few other people tell me about their red rings, and one of them talked about the orange box, and I definitely, like, sympathized, because that's when mine... Red ringed for the first time was when I was playing through half life two on the in the orange box it i think released. i was
0: I was fortunate enough that by the time mine red ringed, I was already working for a publication and it was easy enough to I think the first one I did I had to do as a normal person, but after that, once you had people's emails, it made it really easy like my launch PlayStation. I was able to get that fixed, even though I had bought it used from someone off Craigslist. They still mm-hmm. took care of it. Um,
1: yeah, they were they were actually... I mean, the Red Ring stuff was like a fiasco, but they became such a well-oiled machine for turning stuff around. Like,
0: Oh, I, I feel like I sent mine in for... And I got it like, like seven days later. Like, it was within a week. It was a crazy turnaround time. Yeah. And they sent you the box and everything. Like, I just... It was... It was really, really, I mean, that's the thing is they could have that terrible of a launch problem and then have people remember the console still f- so fondly they did some they did a lot of things right um,
1: yeah, it was exciting, it was an exciting time, um and that kind of like pissed away by two thousand nine, but the first few years of that system were really something else what uh what video games have you been checking out? Um so I was out of town. I was I, I had a work trip, um and had like open studios at school. And so uh I was very busy, but I did review Battlefield Five for variety.
0: Oh, oh no big deal. Just this um, little tiny short game.
1: But it's been out now, so I figure like it's been talked about, right? Um not by us. No one here has played it. Uh, that game's not fucking finished and it feels really like it's really impossible to miss that it's not finished and I find myself with any sort of like amount of thought actually put into it shocked that that game was not delayed for even longer than it was like it just it's not it's not done like
0: the, it feels like a game that came out because they had to hit share and like it revenue targets or something.
1: Right, and I feel like EA has actually been pretty good about that not being the case for a while, but like this is just like the most egregious example of a game that like clearly was not ready that I played in a long time from a, from a AAA developer or quadruple A AAA developer. Like Battlefield is not a AAA game. Battlefield is a quadruple A game. You do not you are not a bigger game than Battlefield 5. Like it doesn't happen. Um and it's just like Like when you fucking start it, when you start the single player, like, and you see the war stories, there's like a fourth war story that says coming soon. (laughs) So strike one there, strike two. It's like the, Oh, it's the human Nazi. That's like a noble person trying to defend Germany against like the Russian invasion in a tank story. It's like, are you now seems like a bad time to humanize Nazis. Just throwing that out there. I don't understand who thought that was a good idea. Um But uh skipping like the quality of the single player, of which I have several opinions, when you go to the fucking multiplayer, like there's two things that are grayed out, one of which is the battle royale mode. Like, like there's shit in the menus that is not there yet.
0: Yeah, I feel like just leaving it off the menu would have helped a little bit even.
1: Yeah, it's just like what the fuck are you doing? Why would you like it it just blows my mind like that. That stuff's not in the game, and also like just playing the game. Like first of all, like the subtitles are full of typos, and there are going to be subtitles in that game no matter who you are, because lots of the stuff is in French or German or like uh, Norwegian. Like a lot of that game is in other languages that than what you speak. I promise you, um, and there are typos in it, and there's uh, tons of weird glitches, including stuff like the X button, not always working for stuff. It's supposed to like the use button. Like, first of all, like having to hit it multiple times to reload for no reason and like hitting X to get into vehicles and it not working, like just like hitting square on PlayStation, like, and that is in multiplayer as well. Um, and just like weird physics shit. I, it's just like, then you go into multiplayer and stuff just doesn't work. And like, if you look at all the digital foundry comparison videos, they can't not showcase all the fucking bugs because there are just so many of them. Um, then it's just like, just from a purely technical standpoint, that game was not ready for release. And it blows right. my fucking mind that, that they're selling it because they haven't fixed it. Like the servers seem to work and that's good, but, it's it just seems not, like
0: at some point I, i'm amazed that they would do it if for some other reason than like a lot of even especially larger companies have some sort of self-preservation of damaging their brand you know of of making it yeah. so the future games will be more impacted by consumers because they'll be like nope don't trust anymore
1: especially as like they have like they've like had a slow rolling disaster of damaging their brands right like over the last two years like Titanfall's release timing, regardless of who decided it, fucking killed that game. Um, I mean, I think it didn't help that game. Personally, I think that Titanfall 2 was only a so-so game, despite the good reviews, and that, like, the beta killed that game as effectively as the release date. But, uh, Titanfall 2 was a disaster. Mass Effect Andromeda was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Uh, Battlefront 2 was a fucking disaster. Like, a really company. uh, like sentiment destroying game that they that they still haven't recovered from. Yeah. Um, like Madden is always tricky. Like the NBA game, like is tricky. Um, and now this, like, I don't like need for speed was bad and full of microtransactions. Like it's just been like a really shitty 18 months for EA. Yeah, and this is like their flagship game coming
0: out alongside like a comp- a competing product that I'm
1: worried they're just gonna I don't know. And then so and then to add to all that, like the single player is bad. Like it's just like there are good parts of it, but taken on a whole like the single player is super derivative, like very repetitive, poorly characterized and just not fun.
0: That's a bummer cuz War Stories was such a it was so good was such a turning point for me on battle on battlefield one like that's actually like hearing people talk about it and how good it was i was like you know what i could go for a campaign thing and it's like also like their defining thing that they even took the time to call out like we have a campaign this year and then eh, that's really too bad i
1: just like and i like i wanted it i really wanted it to be good i really wanted it to be good and it just It just was not, it's just bad. It's just really, it's really disappointing. Like, and like the enemy AI AI is like fucking murderous and not fun. The encounter design is not fun. It's like just poorly laid out. Every one of those things is sort of like built the same way. Like it's like, here's the linear section with poorly checkpointed, poorly signposted stuff with bad enemy AI Here's the open part of the level where you have to take objectives in whatever order you want. And you can either go in guns blazing and play against shitty enemy AI, or you can do it stealthily, which is more fun and satisfying, but takes a lot longer. And then it's back to the linear parts. Hmm. And here's a bunch of forced first-person storytelling stuff that's super ham-fisted and also just kills you over and over again. Like... Yeah. It's just really... It's just really brutally unf. It reminds me of Battlefield Three. Hmm. That is, and that's like some fucking damning criticism of a Battlefield campaign. Yeah, like, that's the one I skipped hard. Um, it just it's very much like Battlefield Three, except there's less of it.
0: Yeah, that's the other part. I think maybe asking them to have Battlefront and then while making Battlefront I also make this, maybe that's not a good idea. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, Um, That's too bad. I feel like, uh, you know, part of me is still interested in their Battle Royale thing next year. But then, by then, I feel like the game's also probably going to be way cheaper than it is now. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I. um, It's hard because, like, the mechanics of Battlefield, like, in the multiplayer, are still Battlefield. Like, it still feels. Like, landing a shot in Battlefield feels like an achievement. Like, getting a kill in Battlefield feels like an achievement. Doing stuff feels good in Battlefield. But the levels are bi- are bigger again and the lines of sight are really open and snipers are still a problem. Just like they've been a problem for fucking four games yeah. and they just show no interest in fixing it. And not only that, now that they've removed spotting that exacerbates like a whole host of other issues, including like just basic readability. Like the visuals are more realistically presented in that, like the, the camouflage is effective You can't see people, like, easily. Like, their silhouettes are not very easily distinguishable. And whereas in previous Battlefield games where that was true, like, if someone saw someone, they could spot them. And then you'd see the fucking red thing over their head, and you'd know that there was someone there. And that was enough to mitigate the fact that, like, things were not necessarily discernible. And that's just gone. Like, unless someone's playing Recon. And no one who's playing Recon is doing it with a a spotting scope. Like everyone with a recon is fucking aiming down their sights to try to fucking headshot people from across the map with line of sights that are way too fucking open. Hmm. And one of the ways that Battlefield One dealt with that, despite the fact that it had very large levels with large lines of sight, was with mortars. Like if you knew a sniper was somewhere, if you knew people were posted up in a building, like you could just shell the shit out of it. And that was a viable option. And that's just gone. Like, there's no mortar in the game, which doesn't make sense because there were mortars in World War II. Like, there were more mortars in World War II than there were in World War I. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, they are really bad balancing decisions in this game, and I just don't understand it. Um, and it's really fucking disappointing. <laughs> it's really, really disappointing. Yeah. That's really too bad. Oh man,
0: I've, I guess it's nice because I feel like I can efficiently skip that one.
1: I don't know. I mean, For it now. could be something else within two months. Like they, it, like maybe they'll add spotting in. Maybe people will complain, but like a lot of like battlefield YouTubers apparently really like that it doesn't have spotting. I just which feel I like it's, Don't understand.
0: I just feel like the game has a bad rep now. Like the word of mouth on that game has not been good.
1: I haven't. Mm. I've been so busy. I haven't. I haven't seen much of it. But that doesn't surprise me. I
0: just mean anecdotally from the larger gaming community that I'm connected to. I don't know any of them who are buying or playing that are excited about
1: that. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody talk about it. Yeah, like it's not that people are saying bad things about Battlefield Five; it's that no one is saying anything.
0: That's how it is, largely for me with uh, Fallout seventy six as well. I don't know. I, I'm seeing lots or of people about talk
1: about Fallout seventy six, and all of them are saying it's bad. Well, I've I've heard it's
0: bad, but yeah, like. The people I play games with, no one's been like, let's check out Fallout 76. Just not part
1: of I've got to run downstairs and get my food. I will be right back. Okay.
0: Well, while Arthur's gone, I'm going to start telling everyone about this game called Parkasaurus. Parkasaurus is a game where you play as the holder of a dinosaur park. So it's kind of like Dino Park Tycoon from way back in the day, except that it's modern and it's cute. Like it's, uh, the graphic style of it is, is actually a lot. And I mean, this not in a bad way. It reminds me a lot of really chibi mobile games and not like really crappy 2d art or anything like that. It's still 3d, but the art style kind of reminds me a bit of something like Monument Valley or, uh, trying to think of other cool 3d games that just had like a, a really simple polygonal art style. You know, like the dinosaurs themselves are only composed probably less than a hundred polygons. I could have that wrong, but they're really simple designs, but it all kind of works and helps it just feel like kind of charming and cute. Um, This is a PC game by the way on steam, the systems in it are exactly what you want from a dinosaur tycoon type game. They're super deep. You're managing finances. You're managing research. You're managing several different currencies. You're having to keep people in the park happy. You're having to make sure that you have enough employees to manage the park. You can also do weird things like go and play first person of one of your security guards when a dinosaur guns out and like first person shoot a dinosaur to trank it and get it back. You can name the dinosaurs whatever you want. It's got like a lot of the feel of some of the cool parts of Viva Pinata of expanding this sort of area, leveling up what you have and acquiring new animals and new species and building them out. The difference, obviously, between this and Viva Pinata is that Viva Pinata didn't have a tourism aspect of it in the same way that this does. But it's uh, still really fun, and I feel like if you're like the type of person that, you know, has a uh, maybe loves interior design or just loves to like play with the layout of things, and you know enjoys the base building in some games or enjoys management simulation. Like there's parts of it for each person. Like me, I'm not super big into mani- into base layout and stuff, but I like it enough that I will spend time doing it to get to the management parts. To me, the more efficient thing is like making a park that can run stably and operate well and kind of achieve the the fantasy of a dinosaur park and this definitely has that going on so it's a it's pretty cool for that i would i think if you've been looking for something like dino park tycoon and the more recent jurassic park game uh that was put out didn't really do it for you then this could be a game for that for sure Uh,
1: were you just talking to yourself
0: i fulfilled that entire time you were gone with telling people about the game Parkosaurus. so
1: (laughs) what if i want to know about Parkosaurus, anthony well, You've denied me that. I have to listen to the podcast while I'm editing it now. Yeah, you should just so, check it out.
0: I'll say it, I'll repeat for you, Arthur's: the Parkasaurus is like the real answer to people who have been waiting for a modern-day Dino Park tycoon. Like if if you found didn't the didn't
1: front- Jurassic Park Evolution do that? Yeah,
0: the Frontiers Development one. I heard that game was kind of disappointing to a lot of people. Really? Because um, I saw it get really good reviews. So, well, maybe it was just some people I knew, uh, but. Let me see. Um, I heard it was okay. It got... uh, It did okay on Metacritic, around a 70-something. But um, this, to me, feels more true to the original, like, Dino Park. And Jurassic Park Evolution has a little bit of, like, the keeping your employees happy because they might do things like sabotaging you. Like, they're trying to get across the Jurassic Park experience of, like, catastrophe avoidance. And Parkosaurus is definitely more about what the original Dino Park Tycoon was, which is more just like, you know, maintaining a cute park and making it look good and and having like really cool exhibits for the dinosaurs. And it's a very like sort of charming art style without being like. I feel like it's less serious than Jurassic Park. Uh, I just is. um,
1: I just sent you a pretty amazing link. It's really important that you look at it right now. Wow. Uh,
0: it's majestic. <laughs> Arthur sent a picture of a thing that just says. Just read the center. headline. Shopping center. Sorry for polar bear.
1: <laughs> read it you read it shopping hear- center. Sorry for polar bear, anal sex, Christmas display.
0: <laughs> Look, everyone go Google that and see that they're not lying.
1: No, I'm going to retweet it right now. I'm just I get where they were it.
0: coming from. The polar bear statues and stuff are really cute. All they had to do was lay them out differently.
1: Yeah. If they Anything. just flipped those two, it would, it would still be inappropriate, but it would be different. Oh man. Um, uh, <laughs> Parkosaurus.
0: yeah i um, mean I, I basically said everything that needed to be said it's a cool dino park simulator for people that like making you know a cool looking facility and also enjoy the management aspect of making sure you have the right amount of staff and budgeting and all that stuff it's early access but to me it already feels like a pretty fully fledged game like it doesn't seem it doesn't have that typical like oh this is this is early access. It's more like, okay, like it seems like, okay, they'll, they'll make incremental improvements as time goes on. But the, the game is really there already. Right. Um, I also played through all of what is currently this survival game called the raft where you play as like a 12 year old girl on a raft in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, uh, multiplayer. So I was playing with my friend, Jacob and, uh, Eric and, the three of us were kind of so you the main mechanic of that game is that you have a hook and it's like a really sad statement on our world that garbage comes by and you hook the garbage to then use that as resources to build onto your raft. And so you're you're existing on this raft, building up getting things to manage your hunger, thirst, and increasingly grow the raft, and eventually you can make sails and stuff so you can kind of sail the raft around and go to the limited amount of islands. And it seems like it's basically about a modern-day catastrophe caused by global warming. It's basically Waterworld, except that I can tell that in the Early Access thing they are trying to have, like, a finite story to it, which is kind of a cool point to it. Kind of like us.
1: Like humanity.
0: Yes. So this game is actually really poignant in that way and kind of depressing, but still one of the better survival games I've played in a long time. Like, highly recommend it. Why is that? Because the theme of it's so different. Like, uh... Like in rust and all these others rust is a game about being a sociopath but like uh other survival games other survival games are usually just like you know build a they all come around like build a cabin in a forest kill some animals locally and try and just make the best of it and this that feeling that you're on a raft where you're not controlling a lot of times where you're going you're just kind of drifting and then when something comes by you it it brings things to you to react to or not You go by an island, are we going to try and figure out a way to get to the island? Oh, we come by an abandoned ship, let's go try and see what's on this abandoned ship. Mm -hmm. And eventually as you build up through the tech tree, it reveals new and exciting places to explore, new threats to deal with. But it's all like existing on this raft that you're just kind of being pulled along into the content. Um, And I think that that's why it's very important to play that game with, with friends though. Because a lot of it is sort of the same sort of entertainment you get out of going fishing with friends. You're doing this activity of fishing. It's kind of mundane through like 80% of it. And then you're, the enjoyment is the time you spent together doing this thing together and being on this journey. And I feel like it has that. Um, it's, it is on early access. So it's not finished, but I feel like there's a lot that's really cool there that people could check out right now. It's not unstable or anything like that. It's just that the story kind of abruptly stops going anywhere because that's as far as they've gotten. Hmm. But I, I think that it's just that there are a lot of survival games out there that are just like exist in a world with other people and see what happens. And this and things like the forest are really interesting to me because there is a playthrough that you can just do of it. And it's okay that it's like these people are finally making survival games where they're like, Hey, it's okay that it's done at some point. It does not need to be this thing that you're, it's meant to be your forever game. It is an eight hour experience. And we, we wanted you to go through our story with survival elements and then move on. And I really appreciate it that about those type of games because there's so many of them that just want it to be your forever thing. Right. And I can only have so many forever things. Um, yeah.
1: I saw you playing Kerbal space program again.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, I just, I decided to just start trying to get back into that. Um, how have I haven't that gotten go? that far? It turns out Arthur, there's a lot that sticks and there's a lot that I've just totally forgotten. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So my first few flights in it were pretty disastrous. Um, comparatively disastrous from my experience level. I'll say, like, I made it to the moon, but it was more like I would hit space bar and accidentally separate at a critical point when I wasn't supposed to, and I don't ever quick save.
1: Uh, so I just fucked up. That is kind of it. your philosophy on <laughs> video games. It's like you're going to ride it out, hell or high water. Yeah. Um, I get it. But yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: other than that, you know, it's the same forever games, rainbow six, which we'll see. I'm excited to try out the
1: new operators soon, but. So I guess that they announced that they're not going to change content for different regions. Like they they had those plans and they've decided against it.
0: Uh, yeah. They were going to remove some visual stuff and then people complained a whole lot. And so Was it like for China? That. That is exactly what it's for. It was like removing uh, slot machines from the game, from certain maps, and removing, uh, changing a neon sign that looked like a a lady scamp- scantily clad to just a lady's leg, like a giant mm-hmm. version of her leg, and and then changing the kill markers in the in like the action feed instead of it being like so and so scold so and so, it would be like so and so with like a different symbol to imply a kill. So, it was just the removal of all the typical stuff that you would expect for a Chinese release. Right. Um, and so, I guess now they're not going to do that, and they're just going to maintain two separate branches. So. But. It seemed like a bunch of hurrah for about nothing to me personally. People were like, oh, they're capitulating to China. And I'm like, dude, I don't think anybody has any idea how often, like, every game you play does that. <laughs> like, so
1: much. But, yeah, I just feel like the, not to, like,. To dota's horn or anything i just feel like the way that dota accomplished that made sense to me and that like there are low violence settings built into the Amer to the north american slash western client that are just like what china gets
0: yeah and yeah i i think that i mean there's many ways to do it personally i could care less if they remove those things from the game it doesn't bother me that they're doing it for china it doesn't bother me that they're doing it for a Chinese government because ultimately it's a fucking video game. And right. I feel like if there's a bunch of people who want to protest about that, they can look at all of the stuff they do that directly supports China all the time and not freak out about a fucking video
1: game. But Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, whatever, like, people will be mad about what they want to be mad about. I, cou-
0: I, couldn't, I couldn't identify with the anger personally. But, but yeah. Uh, well... I hope um, I hope that people feel accomplished by that, but I also sometimes worry that every time you give people an inch, they're going to try and take a mile in the future. So, we'll see.
1: Uh. Uh well, speaking of Dota, uh yeah. the artifact beta started. Oh. Yeah, I'm not
0: um, I am not part of the beta. Are you going to get it? I have it. I'm it's I can see it right now on my Steam list. Game purchased so, Friday.
1: So I've only played uh like two bot games of it so far. I've watched like a little bit of other people playing it because this is this week was also the Dota patch which mm-hmm. is a real like kind of fuck you Christmas morning thing for Dota people this week like to drop the artifact beta at the same time as the new patch which been, we've been waiting for for months. Um and so like attention is split between the completely bananas changes that they made to Dota two with the patch this week and Artifact like, um, but, uh, but yeah. So do you understand like what Artifact is? Like how it works? I've watched the videos now and seen people playing it. So like, if you're listening and you don't know what Artifact is, Artifact is a card game co-created by the creator of magic, the gathering, based around Dota 2. Um, And so I guess the way that I would say to think about it is think about Hearthstone, except there are three boards uh, that the game takes place across to represent the three lanes of Dota. Uh, And to win, you either have to destroy two of three towers, and each board has a tower, or kill an ancient which you do by destroying a tower and then continuing to attack in that lane. Right. Um, and towers have 40 hit points and ancients have 80. Um, and so every turn you get like mana to use cards and every additional turn gives you like another mana to use. So like first turn is one mana. Second turn is two, third is three, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, And, So to add to all of that, there are different colors of cards and different colors of heroes. You can lay down as many heroes of of every type as you want to, as you have in every lane. You can only play cards of a color that that there is a hero in that lane for them. So like you need a black hero in a lane to play black cards. Are you with me so far? I'm with you. Um, Cards have to match the hero in the lane. Yeah. Cards have to, the card colors have to match the hero in the lane to play them there. Um, and then there are creep units as well that you can deploy as well as hero units. Um, hero units determine a color of card that you can play. Um, so in addition to all of that, when you kill another unit, you get gold for it. And in between each full turn of the game, which takes place across, like every turn is like every board, like every lane, Like, has a, a, like, phase. Um, An item shop will open with three random items to buy. Um, And items can be consumables, like health potions or town portals. Or they can be gear. And gear can be equipped by any hero. And that modifies their abilities and their, like, attack and defense and health and stuff like that. So you with me so far?
0: I'm with you. It is and very so it's
1: very complex but yes. It is very complex but it actually makes a lot of sense like in play like once you sort of see everything work like it it's fairly seamless the way that everything fits together like if you stop thinking about it exactly within the confines of of Magic or Hearthstone and think of it more like imagine the way that Hitman Go took Hitman and made a board game out of it and now like take something like Dota or League of Legends and make a pretty simple card-based board game out of it. And that's I've, what artifact is. Do you
0: feel like that you have do you feel like you actually have a do you actually feel like you have a, a an advantage when you play
1: artifact because you know Dota so well? Um no, not yet, but I haven't played enough to know that. Um, also there are items that artifact has has that were just added to Dota two. Oh, damn. Which oh. was predictable, but still is funny. Like, yeah.
0: Well, I think you could, I think maybe there'll be a future too, where there's like, here's this hero first in an
1: artifact. And then later we actually make them for Dota. Um, um, but yeah, so I, it's fun, like it's actually pretty visually nice to look at. There's like a ton of voiceover. I feel like it adds a bunch of Dota lore stuff, which Dota lore nerds are into. Um, I didn't know there was much Dota lore. There's a ton of Dota lore. There's easily as much Dota lore as there were as there was Warcraft lore when Warcraft 3 came out.
0: How is that possible?
1: Point. Dota just Because did they ripped kind of off map. a bunch of Warcraft lore. <laughs> okay. Um but uh for me like the big question mark is still the business model. Yeah. Like cuz you buy like you get two like you get like a certain like collection of heroes to start the game and then you get 10 packs of cards. Yeah. Um and those packs of cards can have doubles because it's RNG. Um and then if you play an event like you get tickets. It, it also gives you tickets that you can use to play in events. And if you win in events, you get more cards, but you have to win. So if you want to get more stuff without paying for it, you have to be good at the game hmm. or at least better than the person you're playing. Jeez. And otherwise like it's That's two asking bucks a lot pack. of people, two bucks per pack, man. That is a lot.
0: Well, it's, I mean, it's what I would expect to pay for a pack of physical cards. Like I think most physical cards are like two ninety nine a pack, but there's something easily easy to more justify about going to the store and buying these physical packs. I don't know. Yeah, it's rough. I feel like it's going to be a very expensive game, very quick for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it's. Mm. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fun game. It's well made. Like it seems it, like it it comes together very effectively. Like much more so than I worried it would. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how it's going to shake out, and I think that like Valve is not yet has not yet begun to respond to the ways that people are going to be pissed off about the business model. Um, so we'll have to see what happens.
0: So, what are your first impressions of the Dota
1: patch? Everything seems like way more chaotic. Like fights seem like way it's seem it feels way more violent. Oh my God, cat! Yeah, you pooped. I mean, fights me already.
0: F- that's hard for me to believe because I feel like fights are already incredibly chaotic a lot of times.
1: More than I think I've seen in a really long time, maybe ever. Like fights are ending with one side completely wiped. Oh, I wonder if that's an not like
0: to speed up the game or something.
1: Maybe. Um, and more heroes are infinitely scaling. Hmm. Oh like, wait, that's you, fucking crazy. Yeah. So like you, you know, Slark, the, the hero Slark. Yeah. Um, Slark is a character where. Among other things, one of the things he does is when he right-clicks another hero, he gets some agility. Like, he steals some of their agility. Um, And that lasts for a certain amount of time, and then it goes away, and the other person gets their agility back. But now, if you die having lost agility to Slark, he keeps some of it. Hmm. And since that's his primary attribute, like... That increases his attack speed. That increases his movement speed. That increases his damage. Like, um, you know Lion? Yeah. Lion is a support character who has an ultimate called Finger of Death. Right. And you can use it again if you kills someone. No. So Finger of Death does like a decent amount of damage early on and then like scales to a certain point and then stops. Mm-hmm. Now, if you kill someone with Finger of Death or they die within three seconds of you using it, you get 50 more damage to Finger of Death. Okay. Forever. Yes, and it adds. <laughs> so, like, if you kill twelve people with Finger of Death, or they die within three seconds of you using it on them, that's 600 like an additional six hundred damage. So, basically every time you, you use be- it,
0: you just become I- able to one shot everyone.
1: It's just like you know how when you go to like a football game or a baseball game, and there's those big foam hands with the big finger. It's just like your big foam hand gets bigger and bigger as the game goes on <laughs> until Man. it's like the size of the section you're sitting in. That's a crazy, um, I don't know, okay. Seems like a weird thing to do, but. Yeah, it's, there's so many changes. There's so many changes. Um, yeah, it's it just seems like if there's a fight, it goes wrong real fast and like an entire team is dead. <laughs> That's that's how I feel about it, but that's that's all I want to say about it because I would really rather talk about it after I've had a chance to play more than a couple of games and watch. Yeah, a and, of games. and
0: once you and James are both here and you can yeah. both talk about the things. Um, you guys and I
1: I've been so busy this week, like writing up stuff for Polygon. Honestly, yeah. um, like I wrote up a bunch of TV stuff for Polygon this week.
0: I know everyone that emailed in that I usually skip your emails of wanting TV advice from Arthur. Go to poly dot polygon.com. It's right there.
1: So. Um, and I can just tell people what I said, which is that like, first of all, don't buy a 4k g- computer monitor. Like don't stress about buying a 4k computer monitor or buying a computer monitor with HDR because all of that shit sucks right now. It's not where it needs to be. It's not worth the money. And also like, it's just, you need a GeForce 2080 to run games at 4k 60
0: yeah most people I know just care more about the frame rate refresh
1: rate than right so if you like want a hundred and forty four hertz then that's fine then like get that monitor, get like a ten eighty, and you should be okay but four k is just like such a massive performance hit that it's just not worth it right now um and not every game features uh resolution scaling more and more do, but not every game does so it's just not worth it right now. Uh, as far as TVs, if you want to get a, a 4K TV and you want to spend like six or seven hundred bucks, like the TCL R617, uh, 55 inch, is on sale right now. And that is a really good, easy to recommend, entry level 4K TV with pretty good HDR. Um pretty good wide color gamut. Kinda crappy viewing angles, but honestly most TVs under like fifteen hundred dollars have crappy viewing angles. Um so I, I that's the one that I recommend to people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then the the article that recommends that goes into some other options like if you want like a bigger TV, if you you know if you got money more. is not an object. <laughs> Yeah, so, and then if you want to, like, really dump some money into your TV and have something that you're going to feel good about for a while, like, I spent a lot on my 4K TV, but my 4K TV is good enough that I don't feel like I'm going to need to replace it for at least a a few more years, to be honest. like, And I feel like you've seen my TV enough to know, like, that it's a pretty good TV. I
0: mean, a few more years, yeah. I'm trying to think of why you would ever replace it until Um, there's, like, some technology that's, like, somehow vastly better, which I don't really, like, I don't know. So,
1: like, so the the... LG's OLEDs are actually quite good now. Like in a lot of the caveats that they've had over time have been removed. Like their color reproduction is a lot better than it was even a couple of years ago. Like their brightness is a lot better. Like they've always had quote perfect blacks because the way that an OLED makes a black is by turning off a pixel. Well,
0: I guess, but I guess the thing is, is that like we're talking, it's like it's, to me, what you're describing sounds so minor incrementally over what you have that it's like your TV. It's not like your TV is going to be
1: bad. I, I mean, no, my TV is not going to be bad, but I also lucked out on my TV. But um, so the LG OLEDs are really good. The C8 is on sale this weekend for like fourteen, fifteen hundred, which is as low as they've ever been, um, and that's a good price for that TV. Um, it's a lot more than six hundred dollars, obviously, but uh, but. In addition to the OLEDs being good, the high-end Samsung TVs have really amazing pictures. They get brighter than the OLEDs. So if you, like, if you watch TV in a room with sunlight and glare, the brighter a TV is, the more it can overcome that. Um, and so the Samsung TVs are better in bright rooms. Um, they're brighter. They have better color. And they got um, built-in Steam links. They do have built-in Steam links that support up to 4K which uh, the existing Steam Link boxes and 2016 Samsungs do not. Uh, also, the 2018 Samsungs support two things that are in particular good for Xbox One S and X owners, hmm. which are uh, variable refresh rate, which means that like they can run higher than 60, although no game will generally, but it also means that if a game is running between 40 and 60 frames per second the monitor will change its refresh rate to match that. Um, which means that instead of like it being uneven frame times and fucking with your controls, it's always going to be about the same level of responsiveness. Like it will be a much more responsive experience and it will look better. Um, and stuff shouldn't tear if it's programmed correctly for that. Um, but variable, variable refresh rate is great. They also have something called, um, mode switching like there's another name for it but it's mode switching which is that like when you have a 4K TV or basically any TV like there's the version the the way that people who don't play games watch the TV which is with a bunch of processing on to make their picture look as good as possible and then there's game mode to make it respond as quickly as possible and basically with TVs you either leave it on game mode all the time and suffer from a worse picture or you have to turn game mode on every time you play a game which is a giant pain in the ass Mode switching on Xbox one S and X detects when a game is being played and tells the TV to switch to game mode. So it automatically lowers the latency and makes the TV get into game ready mode. And then when the game is done, it switches back, which is a pretty neat feature. Like, I don't know if it's worth a thousand dollars to you neat, but it is there. Um, and so for people who are playing on like an Xbox One X and want to spend a lot of money on a TV that's really good and that supports the stuff that an Xbox One X does, the the Samsung Q9FN is a really good TV for that. So
0: TV facts.
1: TV facts. I spent a lot of time looking at TVs in addition to other secret projects over the last week.
0: I will say when this podcast goes up to Steam links are like two fifty right now on Steam. So if there are any left. Ten dollars with shipping. I actually just bought one while we were recording. So they're fine. I, I think they're fine and I would just like have like to have one just in case. I use my current one quite often. So
1: Um I hope that Valve can get their shit together with Apple and get the Steam app back on iOS because that was like a really cool That's thing. all I
0: really want. Like if I had that I wouldn't even need a Steam link.
1: But did you play through Wolfenstein: The New Colossus? I have not yet. Um, it's twelve dollars right now on the Microsoft Store. Oh wow, that's but fairly that, ridiculous. Oh, but that's physical, not digital.
0: Yeah. I also uh, checked out. Uh, I've, I've checked out for no good reason, Arthur. The XCOM: The Bureau, Declassified. Um,
1: I, you know what? Like I occasionally go back seems... to games like that and just want to check them out. I've never played it before. And so I was just curious about it. Anthony, do you want me to tell you what games are installed on my hard drive right now? Oh, geez. I'll just give you like a couple. Quake Four <laughs> is installed on my hard drive right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Deus Ex: Invisible War is installed on my PC hard drive right now. Dead Space. I have Dead Space as well. Uh, and of course, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I the reason, the main reason I checked it out was because I had had my Nvidia Shield on. And, uh, the shield right now has a bunch of things that they're letting people play through on their streaming service for free. So that was just one that I could stream remotely, not even from my own PC. And I I was mostly just curious, like, what does this feel like? And it felt okay. I was just kind of curious. I was like, you know, someday when everyone's got their fiber and stuff, maybe, but
1: yeah. Oh yeah. All right um is there any black friday stuff you're looking at like it's any stuff you're hoping to get i have not
0: i have not noticed anything yet i've looked at plenty of things and been like ah but i haven't seen anything that i was like gotta have it It just has not happened for me
1: i don't know um i i think the only thing that i i got this already and i think it's the only thing i'm gonna get is a one terabyte ssd
0: i would consider that
1: actually for my pc
0: it was a hundred bucks that's like trigger pulling price right there.
1: Wow. Yeah. Seriously. It's also really fucking fast.
0: Because yeah, I only have a 256 gig one, and right now it's completely full, and I don't know. Why. Uh,
1: I well, I have a 512 one. You can have. Yes. Did I? I gave you the 256,
0: didn't I? Yep. It is what is running in this PC right now. <laughs> so I'm just like, just hand me downs, Anthony. All the hand me downs. I don't know what's taking up all the space. I think I ah. Uh, I accident for one. I accidentally installed Heroes of the Storm to the uh,
1: yeah. To, that's so. that sounds about right.
0: It's it's little things where I don't look fast enough to see where they're default installing, and I just say go, and then it's just like you know installs to that drive, and then before you know it, turns out two hundred fifty six gigabytes in two thousand eighteen goes real fucking quick.
1: Yeah, so. but oh. you get spoiled with the load times and the boot the boot speed.
0: It's true. I keep I keep my core games.
1: On it, no matter what. Yeah, no, I you can, um... It's a pretty decent SSD. It's a crucial 512. Well, I feel like any SSD is going to be pretty decent, so... Yeah, but there are ones that are a lot better. Mm. For sure. So, I'll hook you up, since you gave me a video card. Yes, the great video card
0: passed down. The final link of that is almost complete. <laughs> so.
1: Um... But yeah, that's I is there anything you're gonna try to play nope. over the weekend?
0: Not that I can think of.
1: We'll see. But for now. Did no. you you guys talked about Hitman last week, right?
0: Uh yeah, we did.
1: How are you liking it?
0: I'm liking it a lot. I'm still
1: playing it for sure. So. Are you streaming it?
0: Uh I have streamed
1: it, yes. Oh Yet. fuck. I the elusive target is happening right now.
0: Ah, yes. I'll be doing that later on yeah. tonight
1: i don't think i'll do it tonight but maybe tomorrow
0: but yeah no nah, that game's really everything you said about it i found to be very true it's great it is a good ass hitman game if you liked hitman games
1: and i liked hitman games a lot and it's just like just slightly more stuff yeah like i feel like the the sort of like suspension disbelief required is slightly smaller like there's, if I can think of something that I I wish I could do, I can generally do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to checking out more of it. Uh,
1: but yeah, <sighs> man. Um, letters at eat dash sleep dash game dot com.
0: Yeah, letters at eat dash sleep dash dot com. I'm at chuff money on Twitter, and on Twitch, Arthur's on on Twitter and Twitch at aegis you can also go to uh patreon.com slash aegis to see the stuff that arthur is doing uh and to support him chuck him a few bucks for editing the show all the time that'd be nice of you uh and then you can go to instagram and you can find him at Pragmagic to see the art that he does uh, selections of his art not all of it but you know the greatest hits um (laughs) And then Matt's at Talking Orange on Twitter, and James is James underscore Fokker. Uh, And with that, we're going to let you go, and I am going to go pee, because I pounded two drinks at the start of this, and they are wearing me down. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're done.